I got to say, uh, it's special, uh, special night to be here with you. Um, as many of you know, we're normally not here on Christmas Eve, not because we don't like Christmas Eve or that we don't enjoy Christmas Eve service, but we're usually back east at this point. But this year, we've delayed our plans, and we're here with you, and it's a special treat. And so we're thankful that you're here tonight, and if you're visiting, welcome. We are glad that you're here to celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ, and that's the reason that we're here and are here to gather as believers today or tonight. I got to get that straight. It's gonna, that's only slip one. There was a running joke back there how many times I was going to say that today. So uh, it may happen again yet. So, But this evening, um, we're going to look at some scriptures and be a little bit different. We're going to work through the story a little bit of Christ's coming, but we're going to look at it from the perspective of each person and their response. The response to Jesus being born, right? We all respond to things differently. And I quite often will say the one thing I can control is how I respond, right? How do I respond to something, whether good or bad, that response is key. And I can control that. I can't control a lot of things around me or what's coming at me, but I can control how I respond to it. And that's important. And so we're going to look through some of the folks that are involved at Jesus' birth, some of the important people, and we'll see how they respond. And then there may be a challenge at the end. You that know me know that there'll be definitely one of those. So if you have your Bibles, if not, I think there'll be some verses up on the, the, the screen behind me. But we're going to start in Matthew chapter 1. And we're going to start off with a familiar person, Joseph, right? Joseph and Mary were pledged to be married, and, and again, we're going to start off with Joseph and look at his response to the knowledge or to the foretelling that Jesus was going to be born. Verse 18 says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, faithful to the law, to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Again, we'll just take a quick look at that. But in that day, the custom was, obviously, if, if something happened to the, the lady before marriage, she could be put out. She could actually be, be stoned to death. But it was a public disgrace. And he would be dishonored in, in allowing it. She would be disgraced and dishonored. And like I said, she could even be put to death. At least here in the beginning, we see that Joseph was willing to just do that quietly, right? Discreetly, to try to save Mary some of the public disgrace that would be brought upon her. And so we see a little glimpse, a little bit into Joseph's character here and how he cared for Mary, he cared about her beyond her circumstances. And certainly it would be hard to take if you could put yourself into Joseph's shoes. Here's this, this thing you've been waiting for, this marriage, this, this beautiful bride, and yet something's happened, at least from the outside, humanly speaking. And now what do you do with that? How do you handle that? And again, Joseph has that dilemma here. What he goes on to say is, but after he had considered this, considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
right? Joseph gets a, a visit, you know, God intervenes, he steps in and says, hey, it's okay, take her as your wife, you don't have to divorce her, right? She was conceived from the Holy Spirit, it's, it's okay, it's not normal, but it's okay. And so you, you see the, the unfolding of the story here, and again, Joseph was going to do the right thing, and, and yet he's going to continue on in that, and God lets him know that it's okay. It wasn't improper. Nothing was done wrong here. Verse 21, she will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Interestingly enough, obviously in the custom of that day, the, the, the father would get the opportunity or it would be his right to name his child. As the head of the home, he would get that honor. He would be the one. It wasn't a, it wasn't a shared responsibility. It was usually fall upon the father, and he would, would name the son. If you know, in our family, we like to name Charles. We recycle that name often in, in, in our family. I'm like the fifth or sixth one in a row, and my son's name is Charles, and we've even inverted it into last names or middle names, I mean, into the middle names of some of my grandsons already. Ezra Charles couldn't be here tonight, and, and I got to hold him today, and we talked about that, and it's okay. He's uh, not quite ready for the cold temps yet. But again, that passing on of the name, and so that heritage. But Joseph doesn't get that here. No, he's told, nope, you're going to call him Jesus. So early on, we see that he has a special assignment, and I'm sure Joseph doesn't understand all that's going on. He has no idea what's about to take place. But how does he respond to it? The verse 22, it says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. God is with us. Right? God is going to be with us in flesh for a time. Verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their wedding, their marriage, until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Again, like I said, we only get a brief insert here, a, a, a small glimpse into Joseph, but we see that he responded out of respect for Mary, and he certainly was obedient to what God had told him to do. And he did things just according to what God's plan was. And so we get a, a glimpse into his character and the response that he had to this undertaking, undertaking of a new wife and a son. And again, there was a lot of uncertainty of the time. Yet Joseph steps up to the plate. So that's one of the responses. Again, if you have your Bible, let's flip over again over to Luke and we'll jump there. Luke chapter 2. And again, we'll jump in the middle here a little bit into verse 4. Transitioning on here with Joseph, we pick up the story in Luke here with a little bit more detail. And verse 4 says, So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David. Because he belonged to the house in the line of David, he went there to register with Mary, 
who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Right? There was no room at the inn. We, we've looked at that. We know that story of the, the Christmas, right? The, the reason they were in a manger because there was no place left for them. Now, a lot's taken place for them to get to this point. They've traveled a great distance. They've gone a great ways, and again, it's been treacherous. It's been hard. I can only imagine what it would be like to be pregnant on a donkey and traveling a long distance on bumpy, rocky roads, and then to be nine months pregnant as well. And we see the response. We see the response of, of those. Right? There's no place. This is not a place where you would expect a king to come from. Right? Mangers where the animals were. This was, this was the, the back place. It was not probably the best smelling. It wasn't the cleanest. Right? Lucas and Bree are here. I'm sure if you asked them, I'm sure the hospital room was probably a little bit better than the manger would have been. Just a little bit. Lucas just gave me the, the thumbs up, Right? Certainly not the ideal place to give birth. But yet, this is where our Savior comes from. This is the beginning, but not the end. Let's look at another group here, another interesting group, but let's look at the shepherds. Luke carries on the story here with the shepherds, and the, the shepherds are an interesting char- characters. They're, they're out in the fields with the, the sheep, and they are not well-liked. They're not well-thought-of in society. In fact, they're fairly low on the totem pole, if you want to use that, right? In fact, it was even said in the, the day that if there was a court case, if a shepherd came, he would have to have at least somebody else as a witness, because a witness by himself was not enough. Shepherds weren't known for having the best character or for being of the, the most um, reliable in their testimony. Yet, these are the very people that Jesus is going to speak to, and he calls himself a shepherd as as well. And again, it's that foreshadowing of what's yet to come. You could do a study on that in itself, but but we're going to take a look at their response, because their response is is kind of astounding in many ways. And verse 8 says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. He is today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you, you will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. So you can imagine the, the scene, right? They're out on a normal night. They're just hanging out with the sheep. Hopefully things are probably quieted down. They're, they're settled. They've got them all set in for the night. And all of a sudden, an angel appears, right? And we see, obviously, just by their reaction, that it's not the norm, right? It startled them. It scared them. Again, these were tough guys. These were not guys that were used to being afraid of anything, Right? They, they had to face many challenges in keeping the sheep safe. 
They usually had a weapon of some sort, they, of sort to, to protect the sheep and to protect themselves. These are the tough guys, yet they are afraid by what they see. And it's interesting that God goes out to them in the form of an angel and gives them the message. And gives them the clear message, right? That he is the Messiah. He is the Messiah. Verse 13 gets even better. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Can you imagine being out there? You've already had an encounter with an angel, and all of a sudden, everything just opens up wide. And you have angels singing. I call this a glimpse, just a a small glimpse of heaven. Just a little window into what it's going to be like. And they're singing. They're praising. Their response is easy. Their response is, is they know Who's there? Glory. They recognize the Messiah. The angels have no problem shouting out glory to God. Back to the shepherds. Verse 15, it says, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Curiosity. That's their first response here, right? Curiosity. First they were afraid, now they're curious, right? We've just seen something amazing. We've seen heaven open up to us. We've had the angels. We've had this message. All right, now curiosity's got them and said, hey, let's go see if this is true. Let's go check it out. And again, for shepherds, this wouldn't be normal because, again, for them to go, they're going to have to leave their sheep. That's, that's what they're called to do. They're protect them. Those are, that's their money. That's their, their everything is there tied up in those sheep. And they're going to leave them to go see a baby. Again, it's not the norm. Things have changed. Things are different. And so curiosity has got him. And so they're going to go and find out. They, it says in verse 16, they hurried off. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby who were lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. I love it here where it's, their response is, hey, guess what we've seen? We've seen this baby, and guess who this baby is? He's the Messiah. Remember, I told you, shepherds weren't normally reliable, but they go out and people start believing them. They, they are exclaiming and proclaiming that the Messiah is here. Way ahead of the time when Jesus starts teaching and starts doing anything, they're already telling them, hey, the Messiah has come. And he's come in the form of a baby. We can only imagine the responses that they got from some people. Ah, those shepherds must have got into the wine a little bit, probably. Or maybe they've been out in the field a little bit too long. But some believed. Again, it marked the shepherds for life. It, it changed them from that point on. And so we see their response there. 
Again, don't think that I forgot about Mary, but there's only a, a brief part here. I mean, I could have spent a lot of time with Mary. There's a lot written about Mary's responding throughout the, the process. But verse 19 gives us a, a glimpse, and again, it's a glimpse that's important. Verse 19 says, but Mary, the mother of Jesus, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Right? She took an account. She, 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 it went deep. It went to the heart. She was holding on to them. It changed her forever. Now, did Mary understand the full impact at that moment? I'm sure not. Not sure anyone could. But she kept an account of this, which is good. It's really good for us because obviously Luke gets this account from Mary. Mary's the one that, that's given him these details as he's writing down these words for us today. But Mary's response is it goes to the heart. It's the mother's heart, but it's much more than that. Right? This is a new mom. She doesn't know what to expect, she doesn't know what's next. This has been unusual by all accounts. This is not the normal way things come about. And so Mary is pondering and she holds on to these dearly. Let's look at a couple more responses as we go through this. And we're going to skip over a few verses in a minute. But again, we see that Mary and then we see the, the shepherds return, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen which were just as they had been told, right? They're praising God. They start out their own worship team, I like to call it from there. Somebody's chuckling, so that's good, right? But you can't imagine this group. This is not your normal, and yet they're praising God for what they've seen. They, they've just witnessed something amazing, and they want to tell, they want to praise, and they want to sing. We move on in the story just a little bit here in verse 21. It says, On the eighth day when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, and the name of the angel, that the name of the angel had given him before he was conceived. Skip with me now to verse 25. We're going to look at one more gentleman here. And again, his response is interesting. He's somewhat removed from the story sometimes, and we don't often get to him in our reading. And so... I want to bring that to the forefront tonight as well. Verse 25 says, There was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. Again, we see a little bit into his character, right? He was devout. He was faithful. He was very much in line with the law. He was waiting for that time. He took what the prophets had said to heart. Again, prophets have been saying it had all this in Scripture, right? The, the Messiah was coming. It was already predicted. Prophets have been saying it for years. They were waiting for this Messiah. And this older man is waiting for that moment, and he's feeling the time is near. Verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple's courts when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what, the, what was custom of the law required. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, 
Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for the revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Again, it's a culmination of verses that were pulled here from, that Simon's quoting, and he's pulling them from all different places in, in the Scripture that are in his head, but he is excited that he finally gets to see what he's been waiting for. He's had that expectation, and now it's here before him. The Messiah, as a child, is right there in front of his eyes. And again, I'm sure it's not exactly what he expected, right? It's not exactly the idea that he may have had, but he no doubtly knows who it is. And again, he breaks out, his response is praise. And interestingly, he's praising God for his faithfulness. And not just a Messiah to the Jews, a Messiah to the Gentiles. Again, that's a huge difference, and it's, it's that same opportunity, that same response we should have. Praise God that Jesus came not only for the Jews, but for the Gentiles and for all of us. So we see that it opens it up for all of us. And so we see the different responses here. Going on with the story here a little bit more, it says that the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about them. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the, right, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soil, soul too. Remember what I said about Mary earlier, right? The heart, right? It's an interesting way of approaching Mary, but Simeon is telling Mary that, you know what? He's the Messiah. There's going to be great things, but yet there's going to be some hard stuff as well. Again, Simeon knows the scripture. He knows what the Messiah brings. Can you imagine seeing a child and telling his mother that, hey, there's hard times yet to come? We know, because we can look back through time, we know that this is the sacrifice. This is our salvation through the cross. And so he's letting Mary know this. Just a little side note, I find it kind of interesting that he tells Mary, and again, as most scholars believe, Joseph is not there. Joseph is not mentioned much beyond this. And so he tells Mary because we know Mary is there. In fact, Mary is at the cross. She's going to have to go through that very difficult and trying time of what's yet to come. Drop down with me to verse 39 as we finish up here this evening. It says, When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and grace of God, and the grace of God was on him. And again, Jesus grows up, and we know later on he has his ministry he gathers his disciples. We studied that not too long ago, a few weeks ago. We talked about the beginnings, right? The beginning of his ministry. 
his gathering of disciples. And so we know the story continues on there, and there's obviously some gaps between that. But we've looked at the responses of the people. We looked at first the response of Joseph, right? Faithful, loyal, obedient, cared for Mary. We looked at the response of the shepherds, right? First terrified, curious, and then praising God and even telling others. We looked at the response of the angels, praising God for who he is. We also took a little glimpses into Mary and her response. She pondered those things. She took them to heart. She listened. And then lastly, we looked at Simeon here, his response. He has been waiting for the Savior of the world to come, and he's finally seen it. And he gives up and says, you know what? I can die now. It's been completed. Praise God. This challenge for all of us, and the question that I like to leave us with is, what is your response? What is your response to Christ? What is your response to the Messiah? Again, it can be varied, right? We see here in Scripture, it was varied to these people. It can be varied for us. If you don't have a personal relationship, certainly the first response as our Savior, the one who takes the sacrifice upon himself, is part of our salvation, right? He, he takes that on himself so that we may be saved. As a believer, what is your response? Part of that should be growing, right? In, in a growing relationship with him, getting to know him more and more. We're called to be a light. We're called to be like him. We're called to, to, to be that witness, that ambassador. And so we need to do the things that help us to grow in that relationship, spend time with him, reading his word. Again, after we've done that for a short time, I would say, we also have the responsibility of responding by telling others. Joe mentioned it earlier, right? We are to be the light to the world. We are to let others know the good news. We are to let others know who the Messiah is and what he's done for us. And so that should be our response as well. And may that be our response this evening. Bow with me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we praise you and we thank you so much, for sending your son here on earth for us. The sacrifice that was made on our behalf so that we may have eternal life with you. Lord, help us during this, especially as we get opportunities to share with others, to tell them of the good news, tell them of the changed life in you. Lord, I thank you for each person that's here tonight, Lord. And as we celebrate tomorrow, Lord, may you be lifted up and praised. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.